We're reading tonight from Mark's Gospel. So Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. And it'll be above me if it's not already. Great. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed in, followed him. This is the word of the Lord. How good. Welcome. It's good to see so many of you. Um, this passage, fish for people, it's a bit weird. Um, hopefully, uh, I'm convinced this passage will speak to everyone. Uh, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, um, I think this has something for you. Uh, and I hope that in about 20 minutes' time, you'll know the next step uh, to take in that journey. Uh, in this passage that Sam just read, uh, we see Jesus, and he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, which is not really a sea, it's actually a lake, so that's pretty deceitful. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee, which is actually Lake Galilee, um, and he sees two people, and they're in a boat, and they're fishing. And he says, come and follow me, I'll show you how to fish for people. And they stop what they're doing, they put their, they put their nets down, and they go and follow Jesus. And then the three of them are walking across the sea, Lake Galilee, and they see another two men. Now these men are in another boat, and in that boat is their dad and also like hired helpers. Uh, and Jesus says to them, he says, come and follow me. And they leave their dad, they leave their work colleagues, they put down their nets, and they follow Jesus. They seem to take three steps. They seem to need to take three steps in order to get to the point where they can fish for people. So these four fishermen first need to trust Jesus, then they need to follow Jesus, and then he says they can fish for people. So where do you fit in? I think everyone is at one of these three steps, and I hope that by the end of this, you'll know what to do next, and you'll actually want to take that next step. So, step one, trust in Jesus. Um, that's, that might be fine, but you might say, I don't really know Jesus all that well, and I learned from Happy Harold not to trust people that I don't know because they could be dodgy. You're allowed to laugh if I do a joke. Help me out. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so if you don't know who Happy Harold is, he's a guy that rolls up to your school when you're in primary school. He's also a giraffe. So a giraffe rocks up to your primary school in a van and says, don't trust strangers. And we think that's really ironic, but it's great. Um, so in order to trust Jesus, you've got to do a little bit of research. You've got to get to know him a bit. I love research. I'm like really into research. If I'm going to do something, I've got to do my research first to make sure that it's something that I actually want to do. So 
For example, I wake up, it's eight o'clock, and my brother says, do you want to go and get a coffee? I've got to do some research. I uh, do some investigating and I ask one question, are you paying? Based on his response, I work out whether or not this is something that I want to do. Maybe, uh, maybe I want to buy something. If I'm buying like a product, maybe it's jeans. I do a lot of research into jeans. I spend the extra money to make sure the denim is raw denim, that they fit nicely, that they're not made by slaves. Uh, or if I'm buying running shoes, are they going to support my feet? Are they going to make me look good? Are they going to make me run faster? We do research into lots of stuff. Some of those things are significant. Some of those are insignificant. And a lot of you, some of you are nodding your head, but a lot of you are like, a lot of you are skeptical because you think that I'm about to make a tenuous link between following Jesus and buying jeans. And you're not yet convinced. Bear with me. What if it was something less trivial? What if it were not buying a pair of jeans or a pair of sneakers? What if it were buying a house? Okay, if you're buying a house, you've got to do your research. Is it a good area? Is it close to school? Is it close to work? Is it close to public transport? Can I afford the costs associated with buying the place? Who lived there before me? Who lived there after? I mean, no, that doesn't work, sorry. Um, is there rising damp? What's the foundation like? Is this going to fall down when I least expect it? Now, when you're doing that kind of research, you rarely ask the real estate agent because the real estate agent just tells you all the stuff that you want to hear. They say, it's great, you know, there's schools everywhere. You can afford the cost. It's one arm and one leg per month. Easy repayments. Uh, But you kind of know that they're not a reliable source. So you say to the real estate agent, can I get an architect in to have a look at this house before I buy it. And they say, yeah, sure. And then the architect says, look, can I get an engineer in to look at this before you buy it? And uh, there comes a point where you have to commit one way or the other. Whether it's the real estate agent or the architect or the engineer, there comes a point where you have to trust someone. There's only so much research you can do before you actually have to commit and try the product for yourself. The four fishermen in this story were followers of John the Baptist before they were followers of Jesus. So they'd been listening to John preaching in the desert for a number of years before this moment that we just heard. They would have heard John say that there's going to come a time where there will be a man whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And they likely would have been at Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River in the earlier parts of this chapter. So they have a pretty good basis for believing that Jesus was the guy John was talking about. And the time came where they had to trust that Jesus was who he said he was. And we see the choice that they made. You see, verse 18, they immediately left their nets and followed him. They could have studied Jesus more. They could have done more research. Uh, They could have gone for more opinions. Uh, They could have wanted to see how this would pan out for them 
uh, in 10 years' time or in the long run, but they reach a point where they have to make a choice and they decide to trust Jesus. You might be at a point where you are working out whether you want to trust Jesus. And you might see the church, or you might see me right now as the real estate agent, telling you only the good bits about what following Jesus will mean. You might need more convincing. You might need to get the architect to get the engineer in to get you a second opinion. But at the end of the day, you've got to commit either way. You've got to either commit to following Jesus, to trusting Jesus, or you've got to commit to not trusting Jesus. If you want to do more research, I'd suggest you read the Gospel of Mark and read the whole thing. So step one is to trust in Jesus. But maybe you're past needing to be convinced. Maybe you think Jesus is reliable and is trustworthy, but you haven't quite moved on to step two. You haven't quite decided to make the step to follow him just yet. Now, to follow anyone, you must acknowledge that they know something that you don't know. To to acknowledge that they know something that you don't know. For example, uh, you and I are going somewhere and we brought two cars for some reason because we hate the environment or whatever. Um, And we've got to get there. We've got two cars. So I say, I know the way, you don't know the way. Get in your car, I'll get in my car and you follow me. For you to follow me in that instance, you need to acknowledge that I know where I'm going and you don't know where you're going. These four fishermen acknowledge that Jesus knows something that they don't know. And these four men thought it was worthwhile to leave the security of their job and their family to follow Jesus. They leave behind their old life in pursuit of a new life. They leave their nets and they leave their dad. Now, our identity can often get caught up in who we know or what we do. For example, hi, I'm John O'Webster. I work for a church. In that sentence, you know what I do and you know who my family are. So, uh, for example, hi, I'm Simon. I'm a fisherman. And then everyone's like, hello, Simon. Hi, I'm John. I'm the son of Zebedee. Hello, John. Following Jesus means their identity is no longer in their job or in their family. They're no longer Simon or Andrew the fisherman or James and John the sons of Zebedee. They are now full-time followers of Jesus. They are now Jesus' disciples. Their identity stops being wrapped up in their job as fishermen or who they're related to, but their identity is now as a full-time follower of Jesus. To follow Jesus is to change your identity. And once they change their identity, once they change their identity, Jesus is going to turn them from unimpressive fishermen into key people in his mission. Their past no longer defines them. Their future now defines them. 
We often define things by their past, which I think is ridiculous. We make judgments on something based on what it was previously. But here's why that's ridiculous. You don't get on a train based on where it has been. You don't get on a train based on where it's been. Stay with me. You're at Town Hall. You're on Platform 1. And the guard says, the next train to arrive on Platform 1 was the Penrith via Parramatta service. And you say, that is way too far west. I do not want to get on that train. So you turn around, you're on uh, platform two now, town hall, platform two, and the guard says, "Uh, the next train to arrive on platform two has come from North Sydney via Milsons Point, and you go, yes, I love the North Shore, and you get on that train. It's ridiculous. Maybe we change the metaphor. I love the block, love the block, love renovations in general. They take these old, gross apartments and they turn them into, like, luxury homes. They put in time and effort and energy uh, and they go from these gross places and over time they become beautiful and then they sell for millions of dollars. It would be ridiculous for me to refrain from buying one of those houses because it used to be gross and dilapidated. In fact, the whole purpose of the show is to point out that the thing was once gross and is now beautiful. The house was once unimpressive and is now glorious. In the same way, Jesus does not ask these four people to follow him because they will make him look good or because they're impressive. Jesus says to these fishermen, follow me, and he renovates these people And they do amazing things. They go from ordinary, unimpressive fishermen and become Jesus' closest friends. And they do incredible things as they follow him. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, yes, I got it wrong up there, that's fine. Um, Jesus gives Simon a new name. He says this, And I tell you that you are Peter, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Simon goes from being called Simon to Peter. Now Peter, the Greek word is Petros, which means the rock. And Jesus says, on you I am going to build my church. You are going to be the foundation for my church. They go from unimpressive fishermen to glorious And to do that, they need to leave their past life behind and take up their new identity as a follower of Jesus. But look at what they did before they became followers of Jesus. Uh, Verse 18, it says, Once they'd gotten their lives together and asked their friends and called the engineer again, they left their nets and followed him. Right? No. That is not what they do. They immediately leave their nets, and follow him. Jesus says, I'm going to turn you from an old dilapidated apartment into a luxury apartment. And they say, let's do it. Let's do it right now. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're delaying becoming a follower of Jesus because you feel like you need to get your life in order before you do so, that is ridiculous. 
it's the equivalent of you having your old house that's going to get knocked down and rebuilt, but before the demolition team come in, you want to clean the kitchen and vacuum the floors. It's absurd. I need to pause. Some of you have your theology hats on and you're saying, Jono, this smells a lot like prosperity gospel. So, uh, let me clarify. If you follow Jesus, he will make you great. Jesus said to these four fishermen, follow me. And through the power of God, they were transformed, not immediately, but over time, into incredible public speakers and men that were far more influential than they would have been had they remained fishermen. The claim I'm making is that if you follow Jesus over time with hard work, you will slowly become more like Jesus. And that's what I mean by great. So when I say Jesus will make you great, I don't mean you'll be on a six-figure baller salary with water views and a helicopter. I mean you will be more like Jesus. Maybe you're at step two. Maybe you already trust Jesus, but you don't quite follow him yet. Once you trust Jesus, you need to change your identity. You need to stop being defined by your job. You need to stop being defined by who you know or what you do, who you're related to. You need to be a full-time follower of Jesus. And you need to let Jesus renovate you to be more like him as you follow him. But maybe you've passed those two steps. Maybe you think Jesus is trustworthy and maybe your identity is in the fact that you're a follower of Jesus. So step three, it's time to start fishing. Jesus uses a fishing metaphor in verse 17, probably because he understands fishing better than I do. He says, come follow me, Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people. So I did some research into fishing, but I did like men research. So to research fishing, what I did is I bought all of the gear. I'm talking rod and reel. I'm talking tackle box. I'm talking lures. I'm talking a boat. I'm obviously kidding. Um, Fishing was a bit different when Jesus was around. It's a bit different. It's not the kind of fishing that you see on ABC2 in the middle of the day where you get a couple of blokes with their rod and reel and they're out there and they see who's got the biggest fish. Seems to have been more like getting a big net and like chucking it into the water and then drawing it in and then chucking it into the water and drawing it in and chucking it into the water and drawing it in. And if there's fish in there, great. But if not, you've just got to repeat that process again and again. It would have been tough work. You would have had to get up early. You would have had to lug the awkward uh, net into your boat. You'd have had to row out to the spot, sun on the back of your neck. And then cast your net into the water and pull it back in, draw it in. And if there were fish, great. But if not, you've got to do that process again. I don't think Jesus is talking about rod and reel fishing. 
It seems to be, seems more likely to be the action of drawing in rather than hook through the mouth fishing. From what I know about fishing, which we've established is not much, seems to be an activity that requires a lot of patience and a lot of knowledge. You need to know where to go. You need to be ready to be patient. You could get to a spot and throw your net in and not catch anything. So you row to the next spot, throw your net in and not catch anything. So you go to an, a third spot and you throw your net in there and you pull it in and there's still nothing. But you think there has got to be fish in the lake somewhere. So this metaphor, Jesus says that he will send them out to fish for people. I think he's saying that sharing the good news that we have heard today will be hard and will require a lot of patience. And that fishing for people will involve drawing people in rather than sticking a hook through their mouth and reeling them in. Helping them to follow these steps, helping them build trust and helping them follow Jesus. If you don't know where to start or how to start fishing, um, start with yourself. Share with people the process you went through to trust Jesus. Uh, Share with them the process you went through, uh, how Jesus has transformed your life since you've started following him. Show them that your life is better for following Jesus uh, and that you think theirs will be too. Don't be the real estate agent that's only going to tell them the good bits about the house. Be the real estate agent that's living in the house. Maybe that doesn't work. This passage is good news. And this passage asks you to share that good news. At the start, I told you that in about 20 minutes' time, you would know what the next step is. If you don't trust Jesus, start there. Maybe you think I'm the real estate agent trying to sell you a house that will make you miserable. Um, I'm not. I don't work on commission. I'm just convinced that Jesus is trustworthy and that he knows the best way for you to live. Maybe you do trust Jesus, but you're not yet following him. And your identity is still in what you do or who you know. Maybe you believe that he is trustworthy and you think what he says is true, but you're worried that he'll make you miserable, that you'll have to leave something behind. Or maybe you think that you need to clean up your act before you can follow him. Or maybe you are already a follower of Jesus, in which case you've got to start fishing. Start drawing people in. Start showing them that your life is better with Jesus than without him. Trust Jesus. Follow Jesus. And then help others to do the same. I'm going to pray for us. Lord God, I thank you for the good news that is in this passage. Lord, I ask for those that don't yet trust in you, that you would help them to build up that trust, that you will put people in their life 
but show them that you are trustworthy. Lord, for those that trust you but don't yet follow you, I ask that you will help them to leave their past life behind and to begin their new identity as a follower of you. And Lord, for those that already follow you, I pray that uh, by your power you will help them to help people trust in you and help people to follow you. And I pray this in your name. Amen.